Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Ozzy. And today we're talking about The Batman. Mm-hmm. The Batman. It's one. It's the latest in a long line of reboots and reimaginings and so on and so forth. First of all, though, we've been away for a couple of weeks. Yes, I've been on holiday. You've been in Spain going around Malaga, Cordoba. Granada. Granada. See anything good? Well, you've already seen The Batman. I've seen The Batman. <laughs> yeah. um, anything else? Well, no, because I didn't see films, but, you know, I was right. just visiting, like, museums and... Yeah. You know, things like that. So, but it was wonderful. Yeah, so you went to see The Batman because you were with an English friend. I was with an English friend and that was the only film. <laughs> that and Uncharted. So those were the two films that were available with subtitles in Malaga. Right, so yeah, yeah. And so, you know, that was basically our only option was to see The Batman, which I was very much looking forward to. And I figured, you know, if it's mm. good, I'll be happy to see it again with Mike. And if it's not good, then we probably shouldn't cover it anyway, so... <laughs> You know, well, yeah. it's, all, it's, it's always going to be worth covering because Batman is one of the biggest franchises out there. Absolutely. And, um, and, and I was know. waiting to see it, you know, so like, I didn't know that you were going to go to see it, and it's fine, but I was waiting because I thought it's obviously going to be a podcast film. Yeah. Um, when the trailers were out, you were saying how good it looks. I thought it looked fantastic. Extremely moody, extremely noir, extremely yes. dark. Um, and I suppose the title, The Batman, it suggests this kind of fundamental reboot to the whole affair because... Like it's he's always Batman, and this no. is the Batman, you know, like a, you know, the <laughs> definitive article. I must say, I don't know what you feel, mm. and you can explain to me later, but I think it deserves calling itself the Batman. It's my <laughs> favorite of them all. Going back to the sixties, I, I mean, I've, <laughs> I've to to be honest, I've loved almost all of them. Yeah, right. I love the Adam West camp. TV series. I remember, mm-hmm. you know, it used to empty the streets when it, when it was on. You know, everybody went home to see the Batman. Um, I loved the Tim Burton uh, yeah. uh, one with, you know, Jack yeah, Nicholson and Michael Keaton. Yeah, I yeah. loved, you know, the one with the Penguin and the Catwoman that he did as well. I did not love <laughs> the George Clooney or the Val Kilmer. And, you know, I know that you're a fan of well, Nolan's were Nolan. well, are important, and they are important. And but, ones I grew up with, but yeah, yeah, but I don't like them as much as I do the no, Burtons sure. or the or the, these ones. Actually, we did three podcasts on them, yeah. and we went through our. I mean, we had a real yeah, reevaluation can... of them, and there are there are lots of things to criticize. Yes, um, in those films, but I think there are lots of things to praise as well. And they introduced a new vision for what Batman would be. It's interesting. You know, I think I said in those podcasts that in the nineteen eighties when Tim Burton came in, that was like the vision of what dark Batman was. Mm. And then you got to Christopher Nolan and he went, oh no, that's what darkness is. And this is even darker. amping it up. You know, I mean, I don't hate this film at all. I really liked a lot of it. I love but it. But I do kind of think it's like, it feels like Batman is never going to be fun again. Well, you I know? said that. We haven't had a fun one since, since the George Clooney one, which was not good, but it was colourful. You see, I love this darkness. Um, and I thought it was just... You know, because it feels like a nightmare or a dream or, Mm. you know, which has all this desire and sadness and longing. And, you know, you feel all of that in in the film. And most of it is kind of conveyed visually. Yeah. Right. Which is really beautiful. It's visually extremely strong. Yeah. I mean, I felt it really looked like or it gave the effect of a comic book in the sense that you'd see these images you know, but some elements would stand out in a way that they don't normally in film. So here, for example, if it rained, 
Like the rain was highlighted in a, yeah, in a way that you'd expect from a comic book. That's when I first felt it was in that um, car chase scene. Mm. Um, uh, in fact, let's just quickly say what the kind of plot is before we sure. get so we can get into spoiler territory. So this is, like I say, a, a new Batman. In fact, this was supposed to be written and directed and starring Ben Affleck when he signed on to be Batman. I'm so glad he didn't do it. In the DCEU in 2013. Mm. Um, but that kind of fell by the wayside. I'm not sure why. Anyway, Matt Reeves took it over as director and, and uh, co-writer. Matt Reeves is behind the second and third Planet of the Apes mm-hmm. films, which I, I really like the second one, at least. Third mm-hmm. one's a, a bit much. Uh, he did Cloverfield. I think that was the film that kind of mm-hmm. brought him to prominence as a, yes. as a film director. So he's got, he's got a track record. Mm. Um, and he kind of stripped away all of the DCEU stuff that this really feels standalone. You know, so actors from the other DC films aren't appearing in this. This is a separate kind of... Separate thing. Although, of course, it is still Warner Brothers. It's still their license and everything. Um, Robert Pattinson plays the Batman this yes. time. And it's not an origin story. No. He's been Batman for a couple of years. Uh, Jeffrey Wright is uh, Officer Gordon, Detective mm-hmm. Gordon. He's not the commissioner at this point. He meets Selina Kyle in this film. He's <clears> played <throat> by Zoe Kravitz. Who oh, I th- is fantastic. You know, it's funny. You, you mentioned the... Um, uh, second Tim Burton one with yes. Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. I love she Michelle was Pfeiffer. So beautiful and sexy. I mean, okay, I was like eight when I first saw it, so I didn't. I wasn't thinking about her in those terms. But she was, now, wow. Yeah, she's wonderful in that. And she and Zoe Zoe Kravitz has has the feeling of that here. She Zoe, has, Zoe Kravitz. I mean, it's hard to say she outdoes Michelle Pfeiffer because you know who can outdo Michelle Pfeiffer. But she's as, she is as great as Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Well, she's not as aggressively sexual as yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer was. But she, she really had that. You know, she was coming onto Batman left, right and centre. And here there is definitely a, a, an attraction between the two. She's servers. a star. But she has sensuality. I mean, if people... You know, if this film doesn't make her a star, there's something wrong with the casting people. <laughs> because she's so beautiful. And she's so sexy. And she she conveys every emotion that is required of yeah. her on top of that. Yeah. And she does that physically and visually with, you know, what seems minimal effort. It's almost mm. all gestural or an eye movement or a little tear, right? Or her, her walk, right? I mean, she is absolutely great. And the uh, villain that they're facing, uh, broadly speaking, in this film is the Riddler who is one that we've not seen in cinemas since Jim Carrey did it. Yes. Um, and this is a very different interpretation, and we'll get to, you know, part of the question is, who is the Riddler, right? Mm. He's appearing in kind of videos, hiding his identity, so we'll get to that. That'll be coming to spoiler territory, I think. Mm. Um, but that is the basic plot, and it's very, very detective-heavy. Mm. You know, this is like following the clues, following the crime scenes. Um, so one of the things that, I think people tend to feel goes by the wayside in Batman adaptations is that he's supposed to be the world's greatest detective. Mm. Here, I think it's probably lighter on that than I'm suggesting. You know, it, it's a lot of it is he's not really he's investigating crime scenes, but a lot of it is kind of noticing a thing here or there, yeah. and he's adding things up. But it's not um, it's it not like combing things for clues, right? And also, it doesn't draw the audience into the crime solving in the way that really great detective novels do. Yeah, or yeah. really great detective things where. You know, you are also meant to be figuring out along with the detective, you know. And then when the detective does, and maybe you don't, you can still understand fully why the detective resolved it because you've had mm. all the information. This It's not playing a game. It's not It's not yeah. playing with the audience in those ways. Yeah. No. Um, 
when we were seeing those trailers, I said you you were going. This is going to be fantastic. And my general thought was, it looks like all the others lately. Well, it doesn't though. The 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 final result is that it doesn't. It is, for my estimation, richer, more atmospheric. It's beautiful. Um, I do wish the tone would let up sometimes. I was saying before that we had to see it. God, it's going to be three hours, and I think it pretty much justifies its runtime. But there is so little variation in tone. It is, I mean, it's, I, I I'm in the it. doldrums the whole way through. It's I, so bleak. I didn't mind it. I loved it. I loved. I loved its bleakness because I don't think it's just bleak. So you know, to say it's bleak, I mean, you know, there's a lot of. I mean, a lot of everything is created by the images, right? Mm. So I love the sexual heat, yeah, with Selena Kyle. I mean, I just loved her sexiness, you know, and the way that it's deployed, right? And then, you know, the way that Batman is drawn to her. And again, it's just little moments of gestures. I don't, they, I don't think they even they ever even kiss, right? But oh, they kiss twice. Do they? Yeah, yeah. I forget. Uh, and it's steamy. It's steamy, yeah. <laughs> kind of. I thought it was all suggested actually. They get close. You know, but they don't. But she, maybe she that's just at him. the end, yeah. She kisses him a couple of times. Uh, yeah, and she kisses him, that's yeah. right. You know, so I kind of, I just thought it was beautiful. Mm. And I loved, I loved the way, I loved the, the, the framing in the film. Yeah, because it is done almost like comic book panels. I, You know, the rectangular uh, 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 frame of the screen is kind of broken up, yeah, into, into bits. And often mm -hmm. kind of, you know, action takes place in one of those bits, right? And you often get like a close-up, you know, but that's in this world of mm -hmm. windows or frames or, yeah. Uh, and I also loved what it does with the focus, mm -hmm. yeah? That often, you know, the backgrounds are out of focus. So it does feel like a dream or, you know, a world where you only see partially or where then things come into focus. So, you know, like when that trowel is thrown, it's, you know, it's just this vague, fuzzy object. Mm. And then when it lands, it's in focus. Right? Yeah, it's doing more than just extreme shallow focus, although it is doing a lot of that. But it is also, at times, uh, adding in effects. Well, uh, they may be in-camera effects, I don't know. They could easily be in-camera or digital. Um, but they are, there are effects of the kind of edges of the frame kind of chromatically fraying and becoming blurred and kind of swirling in a way that focuses your attention on the centre or some part which mm. is in clear focus. Mm. And the, but that does suggest that that kind of dreamy mm. dreamy thing you're talking about. I did oh, It did remind me of Joker. And I remember the thing about Joker was all the use of shallow focus and the um, kind of large format they were using for that felt so unmotivated to me. I, yeah. just, I thought it was... Doing it for its own sake, to to like to 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 imply that it is art <laughs> because it looks like this because it looks expensive. This is much more motivated, and I know what you mean about the compositions. Although the comic book thing to me, um, and this goes back to what you mentioned right at the start about the the rain, mm. it's much more to me about um, the use of color. Um, so you're absolutely right about the rain. You know, in that in that car chase scene you have this long, streaky, white rain uh, um, illuminated by the headlights that you can see, you know, and, it, mm. and it's comic book rain, mm. exactly. Um, but when, when it's a film in which there is basically one colour maximum on screen at any one point. It's like mm. a single colour is used to give an entire scene cogency. And, and I agree. 
And it's that's not, a comic book technique. Yeah, and it's not just that it's kind of the one color dominant, but also that very few colors are used. Yeah, like in those you know pulpy comic books of the fifties and sixties, where you know you'd get like red or you know like the film basically is amber, neon red. And a kind of a sea blue. Yeah. There's a bit of blue, blue and maybe green. pink when you get a sunrise yeah. or sunset. So, and the rest is black. Yes. You know, and it's beautiful. Shades of black. It has, and actually, you know, when you were talking about the Joker being arty, I don't think this tries to be that because I think what the color and the imagery suggest is the pulpy origins. Yeah, absolutely. You know, of the Batman. So it's pulpy in the sense that it is about, it is about you know, desire and dread and the past and loneliness and, mm. you know, kind of unfulfilled dreams and so on. So it has all of those. Yeah. And it's done in broad strokes. Or in, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things that I felt in this film, which is maybe a bit absurd and maybe I'm completely wrong about it, but I thought how delightful to see huge close-ups in the cinema again. Mm. Right. Because, you know, it's you feel that like, there's so many close-ups in this film in a way that when you normally see them in a movie, I would say, oh, it's so badly filmed, it feels like television or something. Mm. But there was something in the way that the close-ups were used here that were very cinematic. Well, right? I think a lot of the time close-ups, a lot of it is just shot reverse shot in a lot of cinema, right? And it's cheap and it's easy to do and it's coverage, mm. you know, and it doesn't feel prepared, thought out, composed. like the point of the scene. And here yeah, exactly, composed. Yeah. That's what these are. You don't yeah. you don't feel for a single moment that there's been coverage of a scene. No. And actually the thing is, you know, the cinematographer and the production designer, like working in combination, have really worked on these close ups. Because so it's not just the face, you know, it's a face behind the screen mm. <laughs> or behind bars or, yeah, that creates this particular design, yeah, from the mm. image, a graphic design from the image itself. Or, you know, the head and the ears of the Batman are tilting in a particular way mm. that again kind of creates this effect or this mood, right? It's really, I think, you know, uh, potent yeah, mm. and beautiful. Um, let's think about the villain. Uh, I said we'd get to him, and uh, so the spoiler territory is coming in right now, if it hasn't already. Um, the villain is the Riddler, played by Paul Dano, as it turns out, and he's only revealed in the last third of the film. Yes. Um, up until then, he's been sending videos to Batman, sending notes, or, you know, kind of things lead to videos. He's been sending videos to the news. It's reminiscent, in part, of the um, Joker's videos from The Dark Knight, mm. you know, sending in his handicam videos to the newspapers. Obviously, we're in a... We're in a newer world now, so it's on effectively TikTok mm. and you know live streaming and Twitch and all that. Kind of, that's how he's kind of interacting um, with the world he lives in. But it's still kind of uh, a, a, well, it's a phone video pointing at himself behind a mask, threatening Batman and threatening Gotham. Mm. Um, it really reminded me of Saw, in fact, especially when he got to the second the second of his victims who's in that kind of rat head trap. Mm. I mean, that's such a Saw thing, if he gets out, you know, mm. blah, blah, blah. Um, and he's kind of, he's almost putting on the jigsaw voice as well. Uh, there are elements of Seven in it when you get into his apartment later on. He's got scrawlings and scribbling mm-hmm. throughout the place. You can, I mean, feels the influences, I think, are really on the sleeve. Mm. Um, but ultimately, it kind of turns out that he's... He's got elements of being an incel, almost. Yes. Certainly in his look. Well, without um, a doubt, And yes. being a kind of shut away. 
he's got elements of being like the Proud Boys, which mm. I suppose the Proud Boys are also kind of incels too, in a way. Like they, they, the Proud Boys thing started off with being very proud of not masturbating, I think. Mm. And it was like, it was like you were part of a group and then the group became domestic terrorists mm. in America who tried to storm the Capitol, you know. Um, he definitely has elements of that because when he when he's in prison at the end, he's still able to mobilise all these followers mm. of his online and you see all their comments, you know, rifles are good and all this. Mm. Like they want to take down these politicians and so on. They basically engage in a political assassination attack. Or, yes. Well, it's it's a not quite a coup and they're not trying to take anything over, but they are definitely engaging in serious domestic terrorism and yes. trying to murder a politician. I mean, yes. it's it's a. It, I think it's a very clear analog yes. for January six. Absolutely, I agree. Um, it did. It, I mean, it, actually, I did feel a bit cynical about that, though. It must be said. It, I did kind of feel how how quickly it's, you've commodified this into a superhero narrative. You know. Well, I, I um, mean, I didn't see it as a commodification. Again, you know, I think artists take from the world they live in and yeah. try to speak to it. You know. Uh, yeah, there is a more generous way of looking at it. I absolutely agree. So, and I think that's what they've done here. It's an interesting interpretation of the character, and one that really makes a lot of sense. The way it's the way it's done, I think it also goes to what Batman is so often about underneath, which is it's quite a conservative thing, because it essentially takes someone who the system has failed. He's an orphan. Mm. You know, he, he. We're all supposed to look up to the great. Bruce Wayne, um, who was this kind of billionaire orphan, we can all make it, and of course we all couldn't because the system wasn't there for us. So he's someone who the system failed. Um, he's someone who sees the kind of transparent fakeness of politics, at least how he sees it. You know, you've got this election, do you think it really matters? And so on. Um, some, and, and some of these things are kind of really legitimate things for people to be upset about, wanting to change the system. But, of course, what it does is it renders him a crazy villain, as it always does. I Batman think, al- I, always I, comes down to a conservatism in that respect. Poison Ivy is an environmentalist. I think <laughs> not in this one. I think this is the the most progressive. Yeah? Yes. Uh, because, you know, if you see, like, the Michael Keaton Batman, I mean, to be rich is to be wonderful and fun and have gadgets and have butlers and mm. mansions and, you know, uh, Kim Basinger goes to the mansion. Ooh, wow, wow. Like, you know, in this place, it's lonely... Yeah, he's losing his money. Uh, his father's foundation is the cause of the corruption. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, his mom uh, had mental health problems due to her father killing her mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, the father was basically involved in a crime, you know, that spurned all of this. So, yeah, being rich here is the cause of crime. Right. Yeah, so basically the film chases this chain of events and finds the root source mm. in the father and his money, right? So... Yeah, that's interesting. You know, and also I think there's a very interesting doubling, which you often get in Batman films, where, you know, Paul Dano is an orphan. Uh, uh, Selena Kyle is an orphan. Class is an issue. Selena speaks of it as an issue. I can tell you're a rich kid, she tells him, mm-hmm. Right. And the Riddler says, well, you know, you know what it's like to get get a room. It's a room for 30. And, you know, one of the kids always dies because it's cold. Right. Yeah. So not not all orphans are the same. Mm -hmm. So I think the film is highlighting all of these things and highlighting the issue of class and privilege and whiteness. Yeah. Right. Uh, 
but I think you're still right. You know, it's interesting that in spite of all of that, yeah, the villains are, yeah, the people who society has failed, mm. uh, nonetheless. Uh, and the, and as you say, you're right that Thomas Wayne, Batman's dad, um, was involved in this crime, um, killing this journalist because the journalists were going to spill secrets about the mother. Mm. Um, but that's not what he wanted. You know, that's very clearly pointed yes. out, right? Thomas Wayne was a good guy the whole time and he made a mistake by getting the mafia involved to yes. try and hush this down. And then the mafia killed a, uh, killed the journalist and that's not what he wanted. So, you know, still, there are good people. He's still good, right? It's I know, but the, the, money the, film, is, gone. the film has a whole thing about fathers. Well, yeah, right. fathers and orphans, they're all over the shop in this. Yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, I would argue... Really, that the main villain was really Falcone. Yes, I mean, yeah, I did think about you know who is who plays him as the Godfather, very quiet, very self-assured, very reassuring, even as he's strangling you. Right? (laughs) I mean, it's kind of like a performance that I've never seen Torturo give before because you know Torturo is really alive normally. Yeah. Mm. Whereas this is a, this is almost like an Al Pacino in the Godfather Two performance, right? Mm. He's very very restrained and he's incredibly effective and he's kind of pretty ruthless and and he emanates that kind of ruthlessness, mm. yeah, and and control, really. yeah, and has no qualms about killing his own daughter, no, right. So uh, he does say something like, "I didn't want to have to do this." Yeah, but yeah, I mean, but, he know, says it, and yeah. he's like, yeah. <laughs> you don't believe him, really. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 he's all right to to get on with it. Um, so I think there's something interesting there, uh, and I think it's interesting to compare it to the other Batman's as well, right? Because I've not seen a Batman as critical uh, of the rich and our foundations. And I mean, here, you know, the Renewal Foundation is seen as a source of all evil, right? Like, you know, as this fund that you can bribe people with and do things with, and it's not accountable to anybody. So, you know, the charity of the rich is just seen as a power-mongering source of control that is unaccountable to the society at large, right? Yeah, so this Renewal Fund is what Thomas Wayne kind of bequeathed to the city, is Mm. that right? And... um, but it was this, as you say, there was no oversight to this fund. And once Thomas Wayne was dead, the mob and everyone just started putting their hand in, mm. into the pot. They mm. could just take all this money. Mm. Yeah. And if you see the world, because the film has like a kind of a gothic design. And also, you know, that kind of, what do you call it when you have like 19th century things, but in slightly futuristic elements. Steampunk? Yeah, so it's not quite steampunk, mm. but it has you know, a, a kind of a gothic steaminess, right? Mm-hmm. Of things that no longer quite work, yeah? <laughs> you know, uh, so, you know, the Batcave is a disused railway station that's kind of mm-hmm. falling apart. The mansion is kind of, you mm-hmm. know, not so great either. The buildings, you know, and then, of course, the whole system is kind of as crumbly, yeah, yeah uh, uh, and as retrograde, unfit for purpose you know, as the physical elements that you see kind of within the film. Mm-hmm. You know, so I thought kind of all of that was of a piece, yeah, kind of they worked together. Yeah, if you think about the recent Batmans, Nolan's and Chris, uh, Christian Bales and Affleck in the DCEU, those Batmans are, you know, they, they have their bleaknesses and things, but they're, Batman has enough money to 
have all the latest and best technology, mm. things work. Whereas this Batman, or all this technology at least, is ad hoc. It's kind of cobbled together. There's no real sense that he's got a lot of money behind it, although he obviously has some because he's got all this gear still. But it's it's... Alfred tells him if you don't look after it, you might end up with nothing. Like, yeah, I mean, if you look going. at the design of the Batmobile, it's it's cobbled together. It's kind of like an armored sort of sports car that's been hmm. banged together and so on. Pretty much everything he's got is a bit like that. And uh, although, mind you, I think his suit is still kind of fairly pristine, and it takes five thousand gunshots at point blank range, so he's got some decent technology still. Yes, um, but it doesn't go into kind of de- like remember the Christian no. Uh, um, the Christopher Nolan ones were going into detail about it his technology very, division. It was very Bond. Yeah, none of that in this. Uh-huh. Um, it doesn't go into any detail as to where this stuff comes from. You just kind of, it's kind of environmental sort of storytelling in a way. You just pick it up. Um, and the other thing is, Batman himself is like so emo. I mean, the music on top of it has a kind of emo ness as well. A lot of it, the kind, the, the found, the um, not the score, but the 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 whatever the just the, what's the word what's the word for it when it's the just soundtrack soundtrack the, just music that they've got from bands mm. <laughs> I don't think of the word for it but not the composed score yeah you know a lot of that has a fairly emo-y feel from like the early two thousands I think to say Patterson's emo is is not to do him justice. You know, because well, I didn't feel that positive about it, so I'm using the word slightly pejoratively. Ah. If, it reminded me of emo Spider-Man from Spider-Man Three, and everyone knew not to take that seriously at the time, and everyone found it a joke. Here, it's like super serious. I love the seriousness of it. I mean, and I loved also the way the characters designed visually, because he really reminded me of the cabinet of Doctor Caligari. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, with the eyes, yeah, you know, the cold black eyes, and yeah, because he paints his eyes black. Yeah, well, no, it's not that he paints his eyes black, but the the rubber mask leaves. No, he paints it. He paints his eyes to to stop his eyes. That's what they do. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, you'll see it in all the other Batman's too. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but but the difference here is that when he takes his mask off, which he does a lot, it he does it, and you see the you see the paint around his eyes that's left, and it makes it look kind of sunken in and depressive and bleak. Yes. Like the, the mask is taken off for that purpose to show you that. I think. Um, I mean, I love that because. You really feel the sense of, you know, an almost existential aloneness. Mm. He feels he's like really alone in the world. And which which, then is what makes that moment with Alfred so revealing because you get a sense that he himself didn't realize how he felt about Alfred Mm. until that moment where he almost loses him. So you get a sense that he's really like kind of uh, alone in the world searching for meaning, trying to right a wrong that's not of his making, mm. you know. I mean, and I think uh, I think he expresses all that really, like, you know, incredibly well. Uh, and he's got that look. And I was actually thinking of him in the... What were those vampire films he was in? Twilight. Twilight. You know, because there's something about Twilight vampire-ishness that connects very well... <laughs> With the Batman here, yeah. yeah. So obviously that was lighter and it was teen and so on, yeah. But there is some, you know, there was always something vampiric about Batman. Yeah. Well, he is a bat. He I is mean, a bat. <laughs> yeah. It's only just occurred to me, but yeah. you're right. Uh, so, so <laughs> I thought that kind of, you know, that connected like really well. And there's a kind of an impassiveness and a kind of, um, yeah, an impassiveness. Yeah. You know, that works really, really well for the role. 
And also that voice, yeah, that he takes on this deep voice, which is almost like a voice of a radial mystery or something. Yeah, it's kind of... Oh, yeah, it's totally playing on like, yeah. that 30s, 40s, noirish yeah. voiceover. It's not doing what, you know, people start to take the piss out of in the Christopher Nolan films with the very, very huskily put on playful. Yeah. It's not doing that at all. There's a lot of speaking in whisper, though, um, which I found a little bit... Yeah, I mean, early on when he's talking to... Um, uh, Gordon mm. and they're on the kind of trail and they're just looking and they're just together looking at clues but of course they're just speaking in hushed whispers together what you know it's it's a little bit um it's a little bit artificial I guess but well, I kind of went with it I mean I think obviously it's kind of artificial but in a good way but it well, actually the artificial is not the right word it's stylized it's That's very it stylized yes uh fabulously stylized and I think he's my favorite Batman you know, because there was something Boy Scouty about Michael Keaton, right? <laughs> like, you know, as Bruce Wayne, right? Uh, which I think, I mean, I love Michael Keaton, but I, I, it wasn't my idea of, a, you know, of a Bruce Wayne. Mm. And, uh, um, well, you know, George Clooney and Val Kilmer just forget about it, really. And I think with Christian Bale, he's a very good actor, but he's not transparent to me. So mm. he's not he's not warm, right? Um uh, and so, so what is it? What I like about Patterson is that through his impassivity, you get a sense of what he's feeling. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Uh-huh. And I think it's a really subtle thing. And I think it partly comes down to the script. It partly comes down to the other actors in the scene and how they respond to him. Mm. You know, when you're talking about that impassivity, it's the way that other characters respond to his impassivity. And sometimes they do it kind of comically and say, like, you really don't say anything. Mm. <laughs> you know? But, but you. It's in the look he gives back mm. to them when they're expressing whatever they're expressing. Mm. You feel you feel what he's thinking. It's it's a really delicate subtle thing, and it's kind of hard to kind of hard to kind of pass out how that's been achieved. But it's totally there. That's, yes. re- that's really hard to do. I also want to mention that this is a very romantic film. Yeah, you know because uh, so you know so you get the sense of real heat between uh, Batman and Selena Kyle. And, you know, and yet there's this moment at the end and he's trying to rescue her morally. And he does. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, she's always on top sexually. Yeah. But he 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 manages to rescue her morally in the sense of saying, if you do this, yeah, like your life he, won't be your own again. If you kill way. someone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, she says, I've got nine lives. Yeah. She's <laughs> way cooler about it than he is. But she doesn't do it in this film, at least. Well, he, she does kick him off the. She does kick that guy, the corrupt cop, off the building, and but they Batman, they save him. They save him. So she she almost does. She almost does, but you know. But also, there's a sense that he's misjudged her, mm. right? You know, that he thought she was just like a cheap drug dealer out on the make, and yeah. And then of course, there's that wonderful moment at the end where, you know, it's almost like a sense they're meant for each other. They're really into each other. Yes. But they go their different paths, yeah. Mm. And he looks in the rearview mirror, longingly at this, you know, wonderful woman that he's lost, or yeah, that's leaving his life anyway. Uh, and, and she disappears into the mist. She disappears. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. You know? And that's the end of the film. That's the camera cuts back to him yeah. riding off, and that's the last shot of the film. Like it ends yes. on her basically leaving, and it's, for them split. It's on him losing her. But finding clearer purpose in life. Mm. Yeah, so it's kind of, yeah, it's a film that almost is saying, well, you can't have it all. Yeah, like, kind <laughs> of, you know, so, so, so the sense of loss 
comes with a renewed sense of energy. And the two things are tied together. Her disappearing in the mist and the motor revving up on the... Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think I thought it was wonderful. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a film that, um, for all its very, very deep bleakness and depressiveness for so long does give you this sense of hope and which thank god quite frankly because there are two sequels to come apparently i love it i can't wait you know i mean (laughs) for all for all all the positive things about it i was thinking oh it's it's really really upsetting me (laughs) well (laughs) just how depressing this these people's lives are Knocking on three hours. Yes, and I thought... And that is big. And you've seen it twice now. And I've seen it twice. And it deserves to be seen twice. It rewards the second viewing of the film. I mean, a lot of the visual elements, like, you know, they didn't quite register the first time. I mean, they did, Hmm. but actually not... The the subtleness of them didn't. You know, I didn't notice, for example, that stuff about the way that the focus is used. And it's kind of a continuing device. Mm. Yeah, kind of, you know, the use of shallow focus. It's my favorite Batman film. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. I do hope... I mean, I I really would like Batman to lighten up again one day. I mean, basically, for the last 25 years, the only fun Batman there's been is the Lego one and I didn't and I don't think that really counts mm. you know where, where did we go Batman is so bleak <laughs> well Batman was always bleak I mean you know and actually yeah but you know, Batman's as someone first... who's, who's read the comic book for most of my life for, for all my life really the the jokey comic the jokey Batman was never a good Batman and he wasn't even that funny and they were always like crap you know you thought oh fuck no you know I've, I'm going yeah, it's a funny one ha ha but yeah. and you'd spend the money because really you know you were a Batman fan but actually they were always a disappointment the funny ones yeah so but uh, Batman is bleak you, you don't have, like bleak you have too much Batman. of a bleak thing I think <laughs> well not in this one I thought it was just uh, you know it was wonderful. Oof. It's like saying, you know, you want a, a film noir screwball or something, right? Like, you don't get screwball if you're watching noir. Well, I don't want a film noir screwball. I want a, I want a screwball. <laughs> well, then go see something else, you know. Um, if you're going to see Batman, you're going to see something dark. I know. I know. He's just so grumpy. <laughs> I loved it. And Ooh, I don't think it was grumpy. Uh, I don't think it was grumpy. I thought it was full of feeling, full of sex. Yeah, mm. uh, with things to say about the world that we live in, you know, uh, and what people are like, offering some hope, yes, which is, you know, that is unusual because actually in some of those other films that you're talking about, they're really very cynical at the yeah, heart of it. Yeah. And this one is not cynical. There is a good politician who is trying to get change, yeah. right, and is not part of that corrupt system. There are good cops, even though all the city hall and the system might have been bought out there are good cops, et cetera, et cetera. So I think, you know... Well, I think there may be a lesson learned there from the uh, the Zack Snyder ones as well, because when we talked about the, the Zack Snyder recut of Justice League that was four hours, we were talking about the kind of original vision for those films was, I think there was supposed to be five, or maybe, maybe it was started with Batman vs. Superman and Justice League was the third, mm. um, and there was supposed to be two more after it. And... The idea of those was to get to a real nadir of, of hopelessness, which I think was Batman versus Superman, mm. and then to get on this upward tra- trajectory for the following few movies mm. that you pull out of that and restore some hope to, to, to Gotham and Metropolis. Um, 
but of course <laughs> the response to Justice League the first one was so negative that they got kind of got very very scared and never saw it through um, but then it may be that there's been a lesson learned from that like you, like you have to offer some hope at the start well I think also <laughs> the times have changed and I do think you know these films speak to their times really uh, so you know after Trump you need some hope. We know this is, you know, because it used to be thought, oh, let's critique, right? And what is the critique? The system is scrap. Well, thank you very much. We are now already know that. Right? Like, uh, yeah. You know, so kind of, you know, what is the way out of this darkness, right? We know the world is dark. You know, to say that the world is dark in itself is no longer sufficient, right? So I think the kind of the film is very good about kind of, you know, uh, uh, delivering kind of some hope having a having a more rounded view of the world and of human nature you know than we've been afforded so far in these types of films you know while nonetheless kind of conveying a real social critique and the effects that it has on people you know kind of people the way that people feel mm. yeah about you know being oppressed or denied or yeah um so on so and also about yeah desire as a kind of, you know, something propulsive. And I thought, I liked very much, for example, that Selena Kyle, you know, whose mother has been killed, you know, by her father, yeah, who's kind of scrambling a living on the edges of the underworld, or not so in the, in the midst of the underworld, you know, nonetheless, you know, is someone who stands up for her friend. If, yeah, if nobody, mm. you know, avenges her, it's like she'll have died for nothing. It's like her life didn't have meaning. And, you know, so she kind of goes in this course of action for her friend, mm. right? Not for money or, yeah, it's kind of, you know, she begins by trying to find her, trying to find her passport, yeah, you know, and then to kind of afford that life meaning. So uh, I think there's depth here. Mr. Rogers used to say that his mother told him that when you see something bad on the TV or in the news... Look for the helpers. There's always yeah. someone helping. Ah. And that's what know. Batman does. <laughs> that's something for the American. The, the American <laughs> bloody love Mr. Rogers. Uh, Can't get enough of him. Uh, Meanwhile, the Mr. Rogers film was awful. Uh, I love Tom Hanks, though. Yeah, but that doesn't make it good. No, it doesn't. Um, I also think, by the way, that you underestimate a bit the humour, because I thought there were bits that were quite humorous. They were. They were funny bits. Yeah. And the um, thing with the doorman twins, you know, yeah. and how he got into the club. I mean, I thought that was quite funny. Yeah, there were bits that um, there were jokes. Uh, I'm not underestimating that, but... But um, it's not a comedy. No. <laughs> All right. No. So let's wrap this up. I mean, I thought it was great. And I, having seen it the second time, I think it not only rewards the second viewing, but actually I'd even be tempted to watch it again. I think certainly when it comes out on DVD, I'm going to watch it again. Yeah, it, it's better than I thought it would be. Um, it probably is the best Batman for maybe ever, really. Mm. Um, it's probably the most ambitious of any of them. Yes. Um, and it essentially succeeds. Yes. All its ambition pays off. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was graphically kind of beautiful. And and interesting, yeah, imaginative. Mm. You know, I thought it was exciting, kind of what they were doing with colour and with the you know, with compositions and, you know, kind of the way that the story was told visually. I thought it was fascinating. And I think it probably benefits from being so divorced from the DCEU because there's something so 
I don't know, minimising about having to fit things into that. Mm. You know, I think I think it feels the same way with Marvel as well. Like the more standard, I mean, Marvel's never done anything as standalone as this, but the more standalone Marvel films tend to be the better ones, the mm. ones that are less connected to the yes. the main characters, the main story that it's telling. Um, this has a tonal feel that is different. It has an aesthetic that is completely different, and it's allowed to basically newly imagine. Batman on screen, mm. which and it, and it really really works. Yes. So on that note, I uh, highly recommend that that you see it. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We are eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter, and the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you very much. Bye bye. <laughs>